Welcome to episode 13 of the Progression Health Podcast. I'm here with Ashley Kibuta, and she is going to introduce herself. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Um, yes, as you mentioned, my name is Ashley Kibuda, um, and I am a registered dietitian. Um, so I grew up in the US. I'm actually from Minnesota, did all my education there. Um, and currently I am now practicing in Kenya, in Africa. So I've been here um, the last two years. Um, so in my previous position in the US, I worked in the supermarket industry. And that is where I approached them sort of with this idea that, um, you know, we should have a supermarket dietitian because this is really where people are making, you know, their food choices. You know, they go to the doctor who then refers them to, you know, the dietitian and they get a nutrition prescription or a particular diet to follow. And then they get to the supermarket and it's like, oh my gosh, there's 10,000 cereals, you know, which one do I pick? Um, so really kind of working to kind of close that gap and really show people you know, Hey, this is the exact cereal based on your individual needs. Um, and really being able to have this impact on the community, you know? Um, so I did that for about eight years. Um, and then I was able to move with my family to Kenya and now I'm in private practice here. So, yeah. That's so interesting. So I remember a few times with clients, they would say, you know, what should I buy? Or I was trying to recommend, okay, in this store, go buy, you know, these types of foods. Um, yes. and I was like, I wonder if we could do like, instead of like a one-to-one -one session or a one-to-one -one call, could we go around the store and I'll be like, you know, give them kind of advice and things to buy. So you actually did that. Is that fair? Just yes. Like, not exactly with the customer, but yeah. How did that come about? How did you end up? Because I've never heard of that position before. So could you explain that a little yeah. bit? Yeah. Yeah. So it is um, a newer position um, for dietitians, um, but I will say that it's definitely been growing um, and increasing um, in popularity, especially across the U.S. Um, in probably like the last 10 years, I would say. Um, and so how it would work is, you know, a lot of advertising and marketing, you know, getting people aware that there is a dietitian in the store. It is available you know, for their service. Um, so that took a lot to get them to be aware of it, but then how it would work is, um, basically they could set a one-on-one, -on -one, um, consult with me where they would say, Hey, I was just at my doctor. I was diagnosed with diabetes. Um, so I would give them nutrition education. So I actually had an office in the supermarket. Um, and then after that, we would do a grocery tour. Um, and so that was then based on their individual needs. So this person had diabetes, so then we would talk about their individual goals, their food preferences, their cultural preferences, et cetera. And then we would literally go up and down every single aisle. And, you know, we would say, okay, um, an idea for breakfast, you know, if you're going to do cereal, these are the better cereals. You know, I would teach them how to read the labels. You want the first ingredient to be a whole grain. You know, you want at least three grams of fiber in cereal. You want under 10 grams of sugar. Um, and then we would also talk about proper portions you know, um, they want chips in their diet, you know, there are healthier versions of chips. So what are those? Um, and how do we determine that they're better for you? So we would do that in all the different food categories and all the different aisles. So I always said I had the best classroom, um, because, you know, it was real life for them. You know, they would literally push a card and we would pick up food items together and then they would go home and they would be confident knowing this is, um, the food that is me I'm meant to eat, you know, to get the results that I want, you know, and in this case, it would be to manage blood sugar levels. Um, so yeah, so that was, that was kind of the gist of a grocery tour. That sounds great. That's like, uh, sort of like a personal shopper, but much more health focused. Totally. Yes, so, absolutely. That's a good way to put it. Yes. Uh, what was the kind of response to people 
you know, enjoy that? Did they find it useful? Because they have no idea kind of how that would work. Yeah. So the response was great. They loved it. Um, you know, I think the, the number one response that I got, um, and the thing that really made me feel the best is just how empowered they were to now they can go shopping more confidently the next time, but also their realization that they have so many food options that they can eat. You know, so many times when somebody gets a diagnosis of diabetes or heart disease or whatever it is, you know, just talking about chronic disease, for example, or even people, especially kids with, you know, food allergies, it's always what they can't have. And we don't focus on what they can have. Um, and so by them seeing that their cart is literally overflowing with options that actually look, you know, tasty and enjoyable, um, I think was such an incredible experience for me and for them um, to know that, hey, this is something I can do. And this is something that's sustainable because I'm going to enjoy it. And I have all of these options. Um, so I'd say that that's probably the best outcome of it, but definitely very, very well received. Right. Yeah, I'd imagine so. You know, just myself thinking, but it's hard to know the general population. So yeah. what were kind of some of the, the typical foods you'd recommend, some of the food aisles you'd recommend, and some of the foods you'd typically be telling people, you know, I guess what were the kind of common lessons that people wouldn't have been aware of that you were like, okay, so you actually want to go for this instead of that? Yeah. So there's so many. <laughs> Uh, because as you know, there's so much misinformation. Oh my gosh. Um, myth, myth busting is like, like my favorite thing to do. And the grocery store is like the best place to do it. Um, because there's so much misinformation that people get on social media, things like that, you know, marketing, even on the front of package of food is so deceiving, you know, so, um, to be able to, to show them that, um, uh, I think was very intriguing, you know, um, gosh, what are some of the biggest things that they were interested to learn? Um, that, you know, added sugar, all the sources of added sugar, um, you know, honey's an added sugar, maple syrup is an added sugar, um, you know, things like that, that are, are technically like, you know, come from a bee or come from the tree. There's still sources of added sugar. Um, so talking about proper portions of that, um, I think them realizing that as a registered dietitian, I recommend regular cow's milk unless they have an allergy and that it is a healthy food to have as a, you know, part of their diet, if they're not allergic to it, um, showing them that carbs are an essential part of their diet and should be a part of every meal. Um, you know, and, and what are the good carbs? You know, it's okay. Bread is good. You know, you're not going to automatically gain five pounds of fat just because you have bread. And in fact, please have bread in your diet and you can have it every morning if you want for breakfast or for dinner, as long as you're choosing the better option um, and, you know, being mindful of those portions. And then it's also, you know, what are you serving it with? Um, these are just random off the top of my head, but potatoes, people thinking, oh my God, white potatoes, like you recommend those that's healthy for me, you know? And it's really interesting because if you look at the science behind it, um, and actually in the U.S. population, it's the most affordable source of um, potassium in the American diet. And potassium plays an essential role in regulating blood pressure, which a lot of Americans have high blood pressure as an issue. You know, so it's like we have this population that thinks white potatoes are bad when really we need more potassium in our diet um, to help combat some of these issues of chronic disease. Um, also the whole thing with organic, um, I think that really blew their minds. Um, you know, so as a dietitian, you know, 
Um, I like to stay in my lane and, you know, what is my area of expertise and my area of expertise is how does the nutrition compare? You know, if I'm going to take an organic carrot and I'm going to take a conventional carrot, for example, um, you know, which one is more nutritious and as a dietitian, they're equal nutrition. So it's your personal choice, whether you decide to go for the organic or the non-organic. Um, but I'm just here to tell you eat carrots. Um, so I think that that was also, um, interesting to them. Um, another thing was many of them would come in and say, you know, I need to do a non-GMO diet, you know, um, and realizing that actually only, you know, um, I think there's now there's nine or 10 crops in the entire world that are genetically modified. Like that's it only 10. Um, and so people get really mind blown about that because they assume if it's not organic, it must be GMO, which is not true. Um, gosh, I could keep going on and on. <laughs> what are some other? Um, you know, gluten, um, them thinking that they should eat gluten-free because, you know, we've gotten to this idea that if something says gluten-free now, oh my gosh, if it has gluten in it, that means it's bad, you know? So we've gotten into this free from, you know, free from gluten, free from dairy, free from GMOs, whatever it is. And so people automatically assume that that's better. Um, but gluten should only be avoided if you truly have celiac disease or an actual intolerance to it. Um, so educating around that, um, also just this whole idea that everything in moderation, you know, you can have cake. It's okay. You know, if you love this particular yogurt, even though it's higher in sugar, you know, it's okay. We can fit it into your individual meal plan as long as we manage the rest of your meal plan. Um, so really letting them see that, Hey, they can have some of these things. And I'm not saying they're good or bad. We talk about more nutritious or less nutritious. Um, another one, actually, this is huge is that canned foods are bad for you. And that fresh is always best. Um, you know, that's also not true. Um, so I'll just kind of give a little bit of background on that. So as dietitians, we say eat all forms. Um, so all forms matter is actually a campaign out there. If you look it up, it's, it's really cool. So, um, you know, you can do frozen, fresh, canned, um, dried, and then hundred percent juice. Um, and so those would be the forms and the idea is that you have a variety of them and that you don't focus on just the fresh. Um, and here's why. Um, it's, it's, you know, canned and frozen are super convenient. They've already been cut cleaned. I mean, you literally just have to pipe the, pop them in the microwave or open the can, honestly, if you want to, um, you know, for that. And then also they have a longer shelf life. They're not going to go bad. Um, as I mentioned, more budget-friendly, um, and then it just also gives you this different variety of textures and things like that. And also, you know, if you look at the seasonality of fresh, I mean, you're going to be very limited if you don't allow canned or frozen and things like that. Um, you know, and then from a nutritional standpoint, um, when something is fresh, you know, it's picked off the vine or the tree or whatever. Um, and once it's picked off, like let's say a tomato, for example, those nutrients slowly begin to break down over time. It's still very nutritious, but they're slowly breaking down. Now, when something is canned or frozen, it's picked off the vine. And then within three to four hours, it's either canned or frozen. And now those nutrients are locked in. They can no longer degrade any further. Um, and so it's not to say one is better than the other, but that we should really have this balanced approach and include all of them, um, for the variety of nutrients. And then, you know, as the, the, the other factors that I had mentioned before, um, I should probably have one other thing. And <laughs> I, like I said, I could go on, but here's one other really interesting thing that, that people find 
is that um, not everything should be raw. Like you don't have to eat, you know, you hear about the raw foods diet, for example. So people are like, but I shouldn't, you know, like, isn't it better to have, you know, raw spinach or raw kale, or, you know, I shouldn't cook those things, right. Because I'm killing the nutrients. Um, and that's actually not true. Um, in fact, in many, um, vegetables and fruits, for example, when something is actually cooked, um, or canned, even sometimes you have a higher nutrition component. Um, and that's because the heating process actually has broken apart the bonds that have the nutrients locked in. So that cooking process releases them. So the nutrients are more freely absorbed into your body. Um, so you're actually getting more nutrition, um, actually when you cook things. So, so, so two examples are like kale or spinach and then tomatoes when they're cooked, you actually get more nutrition from them versus when they're raw. Um, and that's just one example. So. Well, that's, yeah. that's so much. That's so interesting. Um, uh, and I know what you're saying about the misconceptions because in the grocery store here, I see they have an aisle or like a full shelf of like keto. And I'm like, you don't like, you don't need a specific shelf to have keto as your, you know, your options. You just buy, you know, foods without carbs. It's, yeah. It's kind of silly. And, yeah. Uh, it is. It's all, oh, there's so much. So it's interesting you say that because it's, you know, it's all marketing, right? You know, um, supermarkets have to cater to what people want, you know? And so their idea is like, let's make it as easy as we can for what these people are trying to find. Um, so it, it's, it's really hard because, you know, working in the supermarket, you want sales, but you also want to be there to educate people, but you also can't force it on them, you know? So, um, it's a really interesting place to work. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, um, I was at a seminar over the weekend. I'll probably talk about this a lot, but <laughs> no, go ahead. we were talking about the, the obesity. Uh, it's a, an epidemic. That's what it is. Yes, right? it is. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, you know, obviously we're, we're less active, but also I was thinking about companies like McDonald's, Coke, and like mm-hmm. big companies, like the role they have to play in it, you know? And it's like their marketing is so powerful. You know, it's like, you think of a, a carbonated drink, you think of Coke, you think of eating out as a home yep. fast food, you think of McDonald's. They, yep. yeah, they spend so much money on their marketing budgets. They have like mastered it. And uh, yes. it's, it's really, you know, scary about how powerful that is. So um, that was just something I was thinking of recently. Um, yeah. And then you, you talked about uh, empowering the, the customers. Mm-hmm. And, and we were talking a little bit of, like over the weekend about self-efficacy. So could you talk mm-hmm. about that and just how important that is for people who want to improve their nutrition, like in a mm-hmm. supermarket, for example, maybe you could compare mm-hmm. like someone with low self-efficacy versus someone with you know, high self-efficacy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you, can you um, kind of elaborate a bit more on, or, or kind of maybe state it in a different way, um, that question that you have? Yeah. So somebody is going to the store and their, their mm-hmm. self-efficacy or kind of, I guess, their confidence in their abilities is low. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the marketing is like, a, you know, almost like uh, at, the, at the hands of the, the marketing that's, that's there, all that uh, mm-hmm. set up at the store. Whereas maybe mm-hmm. someone with higher self-efficacy or just belief mm-hmm. in their ability, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll go around. Someone like you, for example, you know, you, mm-hmm. you have high self-efficacy mm-hmm. with nutrition. Mm-hmm. You would shop totally different. Mm-hmm. To, to someone yeah. like that. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of factors in it. Um, but if you're talking just about like sort of, um, you know, my confidence in myself, um, and that sort of thing, you know, um, 
it's not just about confidence. It's also about education because I saw many people that were extremely confident um, in the supermarket, you know, because they had researched all the bloggers, all the YouTubers, all the influencers, you know, so they were just rolling around looking, hey, this is keto friendly or this is gluten free or this is, you know, all these fad things. Um, and they they thought they were doing the right thing. Right. Um, so they may have the confidence, but do they have the education, you know? Um, and so I think that that's also a huge thing as well. Um, you know, and then you may have somebody who has low confidence, you know, in their abilities in a supermarket and they may recognize that, you know, and they may be trying, but you're right. Then the marketing is going to play more into them, you know, and things say, oh, it's made with whole grain or, you know, and then they're just like, okay, I'm going to take the word for it. You know, the front of the package, um, rather than, you know, um, kind of doing a bit more kind of, of research or looking into it more, you know, what are the ingredients and things like that? Um, I hope I'm answering that question right. Um, but I think that there's so much that goes into, at the end of the day, I think you're kind of looking at, you know, what influences the shopper to, to buy certain things. And I think that there's a lot of things that play into that. So as we mentioned, it's, it's your confidence, it's your self-efficacy. It's also your education. It's also where are you getting your information? Is it from a legit source or is it from, you know, like I said, the latest fad diet? Um, are you, are you believing the marketing? Are you, you know, aware of how much the marketing is influencing you? You know, also um, it's about budget, you know, maybe, you know, that these other things are better for you, but sometimes healthier foods can be more expensive. And so that's why it's important to talk to a dietitian who can say, yep, here's your budget, but we can still work within this budget to get you to help eat healthier or eat more nutritiously. Um, you know, so there's so many different things, you know, is it, you know, do they have kids? You know, sometimes we get this idea that, okay, my kids have to have special kid snacks or my kids have to have special kid food or kid meals, you know? Um, so there's, there's a lot at stake there when people are making their decisions, um, in the supermarket. And so, um, yeah, I always found my role to be, you know, working with them as an individual, you know, what are, what are your budgets? You know, what is your budget like, you know, how much time do you have available to cook? you know, do you do the cooking? Does your partner do the cooking? Do you order takeout? Do you do, you know, these, these um, meal kits that you can buy now in the supermarkets, you know? Um, so there's a lot of things that go into play. And so that's why, you know, it was always, it was always great to be able to work with the individuals um, and to really meet them where they're at. Yeah. The marketing, just thinking back to it, it's so powerful. It's like, there's things such as like women's protein and it's like, yeah, protein, why protein, is it's not, you know, anything specific like that at all um yes. so then let's say the worst case scenario somebody like you know they get to the grocery store there's no uh list of foods to buy they, they don't really know the store or the layout has changed and they're kind of thrown for a loop what are some like fundamental you know kind of uh ways they could approach shopping that they could fall back on no matter what the situation like what would they what should they aim to buy or you know kind mm -hmm. of avoid yeah um, so first of all, coming to the supermarket with a shopping list is very important. <laughs> um, so doing what you can to plan ahead plays a huge role. Um, just, and just on that, like, why, why do we always end up buying more than the shopping list? You know, why do we always go into the, <laughs> we always go into the store to buy like one or two things and end up even with like 10 or 20. How does that happen? <laughs> I know it's like, because we don't have a list, we don't stick to it. And then we, we literally fall into marketing, you know, Oh, Hey, it's two for three or, Hey, this thing's on sale. Hey, it's a good deal. I better buy this. You know, the other thing I was going to say too, is 
make sure that you've eaten before you go to the supermarket, because you, if you go there hungry, I swear to God, try this. You are going to be like, Oh my God, that sounds good. Oh my God. That sounds good. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And it's just going to be, your cart is going to be like double the price really. And there's actually studies on this, probably not double the price, but you know, you definitely will spend more if you're hungry. Um, so those are the things that I would say in advance of going to the supermarket. Um, but what I would say is, you know, think about um, the food groups. So if you think about my plate, so it's it's the American recommendation. So replace the, the my pyramid or the pyramid. Um, so it's what your plate should look like at every meal. So half your plate is fruits, vegetables, and then a fourth is grains and about a fourth is the protein. And then you have the dairy. So think about that plate at each meal and what options are you going to fill it with in the most wholesome non-processed way, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, the frozen veggies is fine. That's better than getting like the, you know, the, the Alfredo pasta with broccoli inside of it and, and calling it a day, you know, so try to get it in their most natural state, if you will. So I think that the, my plate is a good idea. Um, and then also thinking about the macronutrients. So the carbs, fats, and proteins. So what are going to be my protein options? What are going to be my carbohydrate options? Um, and what are going to be my, um, my healthy fat options. Um, so I think those are kind of some guidelines that you can have. I know many people, and you're probably expecting me to stay, to say this, walk around the pyramid or the perimeter and only shop the perimeter. Um, but I'm actually not a fan of that, um, because I worked in the supermarket and being a dietitian that you can literally find healthy food in every single aisle of the supermarket. You just have to know what you're looking for and how to find that better option. And, you know, if you only shop the perimeter, you're missing out on all your whole grains like your nice quinoas, your brown rices, your whole grain pastas, you're missing out on all your beans and those sources of, of, you know, plant-based protein that are also very affordable. You're missing out on those canned vegetables that we talked about are still a very affordable and convenient option. Just get the no salt added version for the canned fruit. Just get it in hundred percent juice. Um, you know, you're missing out on your canned fish, for example, which is a great source of protein and tuna is a great source of omega-3s. Um, you're missing out on your nuts, your seeds, um, your dried fruit. Um, you know, so, so if we just stick to the perimeter, we actually are limiting ourselves. Um, but I understand why people make that recommendation, but again, also you can find any, you know, something healthy in every single aisle of the supermarket. You just have to go in kind of a bit more educated on what those better options are. Yeah. Education is uh, so important. And I'm just thinking mm -hmm. of grocery stores, the end aisles in Ireland, anyway, they typically have the offers. So it's like, you know, two for mm -hmm. one or this yeah. is, you know, on sale. And it's like, they're not really. If you're buying something because it's a good deal, you're not actually buying it because you want it really. So that's, you know, be aware of. A hundred percent. Yep. Just because it's on sale doesn't mean it's healthy and doesn't mean you need to buy it. Exactly. <laughs> um, so then can you just explain, like, I think I know, but can you explain a little bit why like allergies um, or the health benefits of certain foods are like so heavily marketed or misrepresented? Like why, why is there an abundance of like, you know, gluten-free foods, keto foods, organic, you know, mm -hmm. bread that's mm -hmm. high in fiber and it has like one gram of protein for like hundred grams, <laughs> all of this kind of stuff. Yeah. So why, why does that go on? What's like, people will be like, oh, you know, it's fine. It's healthy. It's like, no, no, it's something else. Honestly, what, what, what is really going on? Okay. My personal slash professional opinion, I, you know, is this that, you know, 
there's this population that does need to eat gluten-free, right? People that have celiac do need to eat that. And I'm so happy that they have more options, you know, that they can, you know, participate in, for instance, birthday parties and have a cake or those special events, and they can eat, you know, a similar meal to the rest of the family. So I'm very happy that it has expanded in that way. But what happens when you're a business is you say, okay, I need to retain these these customers and I need to get more. So how am I going to get more customers? I'm going to use marketing um, for people that don't need to eat it. I'm going to make it sound healthier or like they should. And then we get into these food trends where we think free from, okay, this is gluten-free. Does that mean all foods with gluten are bad now because these are gluten-free and they're more expensive? And we start to equate those things. Um, You know, keto diet, for example, by the way, do you know where that came from? how the keto diet like originated. Yeah. Isn't it from the medical, uh, like association where some condition is it like autism or cancer or something on those lines is, is, is it's very effective for treating a certain medical condition. Yes. Is that right? Epilepsy, epilepsy. epilepsy. So it's, it was, it's literally a medically therapeutic diet for people with epilepsy to help control their seizures. And it can be effective, you know? Um, but now what did the diet industry and diet culture do? turn it into a way to lose weight. You know, what did the diet culture and the diet industry do? Turn gluten-free in a way to lose weight or a way to be healthier, you know? Um, so they, the, I would say it's, it's the diet culture, the diet industry, you know, all these things that are taking these things, you know, um, and promising other results um, from things that, that are in the supermarket. And I also think that, you know, of course it's a business, right? So they also want to gain more customers. And so I think that they're, they're trying to market towards other people. And I think that that's where that's coming from. It's, it's really unfortunate, but yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, they're overcorrecting. It's like, oh, we didn't have these, you know, gluten-free lactose, you know, free foods or whatever before, but now we do. Mm-hmm. So we're going to make sure that everyone's like, you know, hundred percent aware when it's like, it could be 5% of the population actually has these conditions. Um, yeah, it's so it's 1% of the entire world's population that actually has celiac disease. So I will say, um, you know, there are some people that have an intolerance that will test negative to celiac disease. So I do want to acknowledge them. But the take-home message is that there are not a lot of people that have to avoid gluten, but it makes it look like there's a lot of people. Um, and then what ends up happening is because of these health halos, you know, now it's it's free from gluten, it must be better. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to buy my kids gluten-free cookies and they can have them every single day because they've got to be healthier because they're gluten-free. It's like, oh my God, they actually have more sugar. They actually have more salt. They actually have way less fiber um, than if you were to buy the regular cookies, you know, because it had to make it palatable and taste similar um, to a regular cookie, you know? So then you also have that going on as well. Yeah. I love that. I know about the health halo effect. I know that I'm aware mm-hmm. of it now. I, you know, I'll, I'll have a protein bar and be like, oh, it's healthy, uh, but it's really yeah. just, it's candy at the end of the day. It's not actually like, you know, uh, as healthy as it comes across. Would you explain the health halo effect where Mm -hmm. commonly comes up and, you know, I guess how to avoid it. Yeah. So, um, you know, the health halo is really, um, what society or what culture, maybe it's diet culture marketing, um, when it's kind of common knowledge that this particular food is considered healthy, you know, it's, it's like almost this common thing, like, well, duh, gluten-free is healthier for you. You know, um, well, duh, yogurt is a healthy snack for you. Um, 
obviously kale or, you know, a protein bar or something that says sugar-free or something that says low fat, or, you know, something that says, um, you know, those sorts of things where it's just like, yeah, no salt added or, um, you know, coconut oil, somehow that got this health halo. Um, you know, again, where did that come from? Diet culture, you know, um, marketing, um, you know, so there's so many of those things out there that are just assumed to be healthy. So they get sort of, um, this like free pass that, um, it's just again, common knowledge. And then your average person who, you know, doesn't know where to find the science-based research or doesn't have a good source of information or just doesn't know how to get that person. You know, many times people don't know the difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist or an influencer and a legit professional, you know, and so they're just going by what they see and hear and the common knowledge. So then they're going to be taking these foods, assuming that they're healthy when actually what is the research saying? What is the science saying? What are the professionals saying? Um, So I hope that makes sense. Did I answer your question or do you have any follow-ups from that? Yeah. I'm just thinking of how I first heard about it and it was in Mm -hmm. McDonald's. So Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's like an interesting sort of like little case study. So in McDonald's, they were like, right, you know, I almost imagine the people at McDonald's are like, you know, they're like the Illuminati or something like, you know, they, <laughs> because they, they're, they're like, so McDonald's, you know, no, everyone knows that McDonald's is not the healthiest food choice, but it's like, how is it like the biggest company in the world? They also they know. know something, they're very effective. So yeah. Yeah. So they were like, right. You know, sales are down a little bit or we want sales higher. What are we going to do? How, how can we get the sales up? So they figured out somehow, like they must have scientists themselves, you know, whatever the scientific community yeah. is doing, McDonald's probably has better science, scientists, which is really scary. Um, yes. So they figured out that if you have a regular uh, McDonald's meal, and mm-hmm. in addition to that, you put a salad with it. That's that's the, pretty much the definition of the health halo effect, effect that I, I found where people are like, mm-hmm. oh, it's fine. I'm getting the burger and chips and Coke because I have the salad with it. And it yeah. kind of, it puts a health halo over the food that actually is not suiting your individual goals. Like the mm-hmm. Coke is high in sugar, the burger mm-hmm. is high in saturated fat. And, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. it kind of dupes people into thinking that they're eating healthy, but yes. in actual fact, they're not. Yes, yes, exactly. You know, you made me think of another thing, another example with McDonald's since, <laughs> since we're talking about them, you know, so they just, they obviously noted that there is a health and wellness um, trend going on. So how do we become part of that? How do we get more customers, you know, again? And so um, they started offering oatmeal, you know, and so then people are like, oh, oatmeal is healthy, this, I'm going to go to McDonald's and get oatmeal. So even though I'm going to McDonald's, the fact that I'm getting oatmeal means that I'm being healthy, you know, because it, because the oatmeal has that health halo without looking deeper into it. But how much sugar is in that oatmeal? Um, what is added to that oatmeal? Is it actually healthier than if I was just to get the, what is the McGriddle breakfast muffin thing? You know what I mean? Um, so that's also kind of just another example of, of this health halo. Um, where these certain foods are just deemed healthy in any shape or form, no matter where you get them. Um, And then people don't have to think twice. And then, you know, kind of getting into this, this, uh, I don't have guilt. I I don't have food guilt, even though I'm eating the burger and the, uh, the soda and the, the fries, but I have a salad. So I'm not going to feel guilty now, you know? Um, and that's a whole nother thing with diet culture and, you know, um, you know, dieting and things like that, that I think we're going to get into later. Um, but that's, I, I think what is also helping, um, 
people to feel like, Hey, I can have McDonald's because I have a salad, you know? And cause again, the salad has that health halo. Yeah. And really in that scenario, um, you're just taking in excess calories. Like even though they're nutritious, they're excess calories. And it's just the last point on McDonald's. Um, I just remember this uh, anecdote from a researcher. So he was like a nutrition researcher and he was mm-hmm. like, I wonder how like, you know, McDonald's, like how it affects the body and stuff like that in the gut. He was a gut researcher. That's what it was. So he had oh, a son, man. he had a son who was like, you know, 13 or 14 years old. And he goes, Hey, he goes, you know, would you like to eat McDonald's every meal for like two weeks? And the son was like, yeah, of course. So the dad was like, okay, cool. I'll buy you McDonald's every meal you want um, for two weeks. And after like a week, so, and, and the dad was sampling his, his gut microbiome. He was doing tests on it. And, oh. and he was like, the son was like, please make it stop after a week. Some, some like shorter than the two week period, like a week or 10 days. He was like, please. He's like, I feel so sick. He's like, I don't feel healthy. And um, they looked at the gut microbiome and it had destroyed loads of like, you know, the healthy flora and stuff like that. Yeah. And it, and it you know, it happened over 10 days or a week, but it took like, like something like six or eight weeks to restore the, mm-hmm. the, the gut flora, you know? So it's like, I don't want to demonize a, you know, the ultra processed food. And that's what I want to yeah. talk about next. So could you talk yeah. about why it's not good to demonize food or put food on a pedestal, like a health halo kind of effect? I, I love that question. Um, and I think it's really important because of kind of the things that we've talked about with like diet culture, you know, and what that's done to society and what that's done to our mentality around food. Um, and so, um, sorry, what was your initial question? I could have to edit this. Well, you can talk about diet culture if you want, because that's very relevant, but, and we'll talk about it anyway. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, demonizing foods. Why is it not, you know, a food might be healthy, but like, you know, demonizing it actually causes more yeah. of an issue, which is kind of counterintuitive because yeah. you're like, it's bad. I'm going to label it bad. And that's the end yeah. of it. And it's like, no, actually, yeah. that's that's the worst thing you can do. So why is demonizing foods or putting certain foods on a pedestal not a good idea? Yeah. So first of all, answer. So demonizing foods. Um, so first of all, I, I don't like the approach of this is a bad food. This is a good food. Or I'm going to feel, um, you know, this is morally better um, to eat this versus that, you know, um, that, that is showing an unhealthy relationship with food, um, actually, and it's not a healthy and positive relationship with food. And as a registered dietitian, we say, eat everything in moderation and proper portion. And what you find is when you demonize food and you say, this food is bad and you restrict this food, you actually end up binging on it later, um, you know, or it manifests in other ways. And so that's how we don't want to demonize food. Um, You know, for example, people will say, um, you know, carbs are bad. So I'm going to avoid carbs, you know, and then it's like they end up, you know, they're like, fine, I can I can be fine Monday through Friday. And then on the weekends they are just like going to go crazy on all these carbs and it's going to do more damage, you know, things like that. So it's everything in moderation and proper portion. And again, really creating this healthy and positive relationship with all foods um, and not not giving foods this moral authority um, and not allowing foods to make us feel this certain way, um, you know, when it comes to our our mentality around that. Um, So I'm very passionate about that um, because what diet culture has done is, is totally destroyed that. 
um, you know, and, and made us feel superior or, you know, inferior based on the foods that we're choosing and how often we're choosing them. Um, again, so as a registered dietitian, it's everything in moderation and proper portion. And, you know, that's something that I really love, love to, to show people. So on my Instagram account, I mean, literally the picture of like me is me eating a big, huge chocolate cake, you know, because I don't do that every day. But I do enjoy that. And I'm going to tell you every time that I enjoy that. So you can understand that I can still be fit. I can still be healthy. I can still be a good weight um, and have my lipid profile in check and not be high risk for chronic disease by having those things once in a while. And again, that is a healthy and positive relationship with food. Um, so, um, yeah, that's what I would say on that. Yeah, and then what was the second part of that question? And then, you know, kind of myelizing food, I guess, and putting food like kale or I don't know, vegetables or, you know, someone, someone is, uh, maybe, I don't know, I don't want to take shots of vegans, but you know, I'm better because I'm a vegan or a vegetarian. Or, I guess mm -hmm. that's getting into the ethics, but it's like, um, mm -hmm. organic, you know, yeah. why are these foods not necessarily better than, you know, uh, McDonald's? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so there's a million ways that somebody can eat healthy, you know, and so there's not just one way and there's not just a one size fits all, but really what works for you as an individual and what is sustainable for you as an individual. And again, recognizing that, you know, yes, you want to have most of your food, you know, be plants because that's what science shows us. And you're talking about healthy gut and that's how we get a healthy gut is by having a lot of plant foods, but it doesn't mean that you're a bad person or unhealthy because you choose to have some meat in your diet, you know? And so, again, I think a lot of this is coming from this diet culture, um, that is really imposing these thoughts on people, um, and imposing this mindset on people, um, um, about the food choices that they're making. And then people are choosing foods out of guilt. They're not choosing foods out of listening to their body and what they want. Um, and this mindfulness, intuitive approach to eating, it's more out of what is society telling me I should think about this food, you know, and, and I feel all of that as a registered dietitian and I'm educated and I know better, but I'm also still in the society and still in this culture. So it's very interesting. So if I'm very aware of that, I can only imagine, you know, your average person who doesn't have, you know, five years of education and nutrition in this healthy and positive relationship with food and, you know, mindful and intuitive eating, and it's just got to be so confusing and so stressful. And, you know, I feel like we've made food such a stressful event you know, and it really is meant to be an enjoyable, um, engaging experience. You know, we're not supposed to feel guilty. We're not supposed to feel shameful. We're not supposed to feel like a bad human, you know, um, for just eating, you know? Um, and so I think diet culture has really, um, done a number on P on people's relationship with food and, you know, the way they think about food and in particular certain foods, you know, it's crazy. I mean, you can even talk to, um, I mean, preteens. I mean, my daughter, she's 11 and she already, you know, are carbs bad? And I'm like, where did you hear this? Like, cause I'm very like, you know, all foods, everything in moderation cake is okay. Once in a while, you know, make sure we eat lots of fruits and vegetables. And I'm like, you know, it's just everywhere. It's, it's the TV, it's social media, it's school. It's what grandma said. It's, you know, I'm, my grandma didn't say that, but you know, it's just other people that they just see out in the world that are just saying things just because it's, it's almost like this common knowledge, you know? or this common thought, I should say. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, unuseful ideas out there for sure.
Like mm -hmm. uh, an idea I like to think of is if you were at home starving, hungry, and there was very limited food left and you had like, you know, a pizza in the freezer, you didn't have time to go anywhere. It's like that mm -hmm. would be the healthiest option because the other option would be like to not eat. Yes. Potentially. So is the pizza unhealthy in that scenario? No, because you need nutrition. That's what I like yeah. to kind of think of. Um, yes, absolutely. And again, everything in moderation, you know, um, is fine. And so then I always tell people, you know, if you eat it less often, have the real pizza. If you enjoy the real thing, just moderation, proper portion, you know, but also if you like to have pizza very often, there's ways to make it healthier and more nutritious. So let's make it at home. Let's use whole grain flour. You know, let's make sure that we're putting a lot of vegetables on it. Let's, you know, use lean meats. Um, you know, let's monitor the amount of cheese we're putting on it. You know, what seasonings, what spices, do they have a lot of sodium? You know, so there's so many different approaches that we can take to that, but definitely getting back to your point, like, please eat the pizza. Do not starve yourself. Like that's not okay. You know? Um, but again, diet culture would say, Yeah. And they would label it intermittent fasting, just skip the meal, no problem, <laughs> you know, and make it sound like it's this healthy approach. Yeah, you know, we, we need food to live and, and, and fasting is definitely uh, a very treacherous approach to use for nutrition. So yeah. you've talked a lot about diet culture. Will you like uh, detail it? Uh, you've gone through some of the pitfalls. Um, I guess what are some of the benefits of diet culture, but what are the kind of overarching drawbacks to diet culture? Yes. So I think the biggest issue I have is that, you know, um, health is valued with a certain size or a certain weight and all the pressure that comes from that, um, you know, and this idea that if you're healthy, you must be skinny. If you don't want diabetes, you must be skinny. You know, um, if you are skinny, you are healthy. You know, there's actually a lot of people that are quote unquote skinny that are not healthy you know, um, and actually people can have eating disorders and be complimented a lot because they're skinny and they're actually very unwell, you know, and that further propagates the problem, you know, um, propagates the problem. Um, you know, so that's a huge issue that I have with, um, with diet culture, um, you know, and then also this shame and this guilt that comes with it, you know, oh, I'm eating, um, the pizza, you know, oh gosh, that's a bad food. Or, you know, I, I worked out today, so I earned this food. I earned this meal. It's like, no, you need to actually eat three meals and snacks a day, whether or not you work out, you know, your brain and body need nutrition and nourishment to function. You need calories, you know? Um, so there's always like this, this, um, higher moral authority, um, around food, um, in this diet culture. And so that's really the issue that I have, you know, and again, especially with this whole body image thing, you know, it really destroys people so, so much. Um, and yeah, and it, it further propagates into other problems and things like that. And so um, I'm very passionate about this anti-diet culture. Um, you know, we can talk about there's people that are anti-diet and then there's people that are anti-diet culture. Um, and I think it's important to recognize that you know, there are diets that can be considered healthy, you know, diet is a way of eating, which there are good diets and ones we'd recommend and ones not so much. Um, but diet culture is, is, um, this whole other kind of world of how you're viewed based on the way that you eat or how you eat. Yeah. I, I even think or notice in myself that like the, the side effects of diet culture have affected me. So for example, mm -hmm. I went to Denny's over the weekend and mm -hmm. I was in there on my high horse being like, I'm going to eat healthy, even though it's fast food, 
And then yeah. the, majority, the majority of people in there were overweight or obese. And I was like, oh, you know, um, I'm not going to be like them. All this kind of, I was telling myself like some pretty negative stuff. And I'm, I'm yeah. a pretty like judgmental person. Um, so I have to be mm-hmm. kind of mindful of that. But then mm-hmm. I was able to realize that like, you know, unfortunately the majority of people in the US are overweight or obese. So that's actually mm-hmm. normal. I'm not actually seeing mm-hmm. anything abnormal. And um, mm-hmm. I need to kind mm-hmm. of like be aware of that and like, you know, um, be more understanding as a person. And then also mm-hmm. like, I'm not better or worse just because of my food choices and either mm-hmm. are they, they as well. So it was like, it was, mm-hmm. it was like a really interesting experience to just, yeah. you know, and then like you see stuff of fat shaming and you're like, oh, you know, people who are overweight are lazy. And then it's like yeah. the server I had was, um, she, so actually th- this is like a little term that I learned. They have, the person has excess adiposity or they have obesity, they're not. So that was something that I learned ah, over the weekend. A, a, a nice yeah. way to put it. So this person, I like that. yeah, this person yep. had obesity and uh-huh. uh, she was amazing. She was like really nice. And like we had yep. a conversation, she actually was helping me out as well with uh, some other things. Yep. So it's like, yep. you know, basically uh, diet culture is very pervasive, very subtle. Yeah. And, yeah, really like toxic. It is. It's it's very, very toxic. Absolutely. Um, and so kudos to you for recognizing that and being able to acknowledge that. So you can be like more mindful about that. Um, because I think a lot of people, it just comes natural and they're so unaware of it because it's so ingrained in us because it's kind of all we've known. Right. Um, so I think, I think it's great to see that people are becoming more aware of this and more mindful of this. And I absolutely love the approach that they have obesity rather than labeling them as obese. You know, these labels don't do people justice. Um, just like we had this conversation. Um, I'll never forget this in undergrad where it was like, these patients are not diabetics they have diabetes, you know? So it's that same concept, recognizing that, you know, in fact, it is a condition and it doesn't label the person and that's just what they are. And that's just how they're known, you know? Um, So I think that that's really important. And I I really, really appreciate that. Um, And then I think, you know, we can look at this and say, you know, what is the reason for that? And what are we doing as a person and as a society, you know, to help the society be healthier? Um, you know, what are we doing? Because we didn't have this obesity epidemic before. So what are we doing um, to make the healthier choice, the easy choice, or, you know, things like that, because there's so many um, reasons for this obesity epidemic that we have. Yeah, exactly. It's not like a, some people, you know, they are actually trying their absolute best and they're still going to have health problems. And that's, you know, that's fine. You know, the best they can do is the best they can do. So blaming exactly. people actually makes the, the situation like infinitely worse. Um, Absolutely. So we're kind of talking about like a little bit about like health at every size. And then, yes. Uh, and then also like anti-diet culture, I guess. So mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. O- over the weekend at the seminar, it was the Barbell Medicine Seminar. Um, and mm-hmm. the guys were talking about, they, their approach was, you know, they're pro health at every size, but also you can't deny the facts that, um, mm-hmm excess adiposity does reduce your longevity over the mm-hmm. long term. So I was kind of mm-hmm. like, this is so nuanced. It's like, mm-hmm. it's so tricky to kind of fall on the right side of it. Or, you know, mm-hmm. it's almost like we're updating how we view health on the fly mm-hmm. right now, you know, mm-hmm. because I guess mm-hmm. it's, it's changing so much. So I guess, mm-hmm. you know, enlighten me a little bit as someone who's more experienced with nutrition and health and stuff like that. So, you know, what's mm-hmm. the kind of, the best approach, I guess, or what's, what's an approach to the health at every size movement and, and dieting yeah. and the anti-diet yeah. culture. 
So I love that. And I think it's this, you know, more positive approach of just appreciating that your ideal body weight for you is not my ideal body weight for me, you know, um, and recognizing the individual, you know, so many times people will say, well, I'm five, four, that means I should be 120 pounds. And it's like, um, if I was 120 pounds, I would not be okay. Um, I, I, you know, for me, um, that's not a good weight for me, you know? So I think it's, it's about recognizing that what is the best weight for you where you're not, you know, because so many times it's just like, if you're this weight, that means you're healthy, you know? Um, but no, just to be healthy doesn't mean that my lipid profile checks out. No. Or that the scale checks out. No. What is my mental health like? You know, what are, what are, what are my exercise abilities? You know, what are my abilities to, to be able to do normal daily life activities, you know? And so that's looking at more of this holistic and big picture approach, um, to health and wellness and to overall health and wellness and not just your weight, you know? Um, but again, we do have to acknowledge that of course, if somebody is obese, they are going to be at a higher risk for chronic disease. Um, and, um, you know, some of these other conditions, but also being mindful that just by losing five to 10%, if somebody is obese, and if that is a good goal for them, they can, you know, manage their risk for developing that chronic disease. So it's not that we have to get in this category of skinny or just say, oh, my BMI checks out that I'm not going to get diabetes. You know, um, it's definitely much more than that. Um, you know, people that are slightly overweight actually could have more muscle mass than somebody who's, you know, skinny. Um, they could have, you know, more athletic abilities than somebody who's skinny. They could be stronger, you know? So we have to, again, look at the big picture and not just say the scale says this. So I already know your story, you know? Um, so more, you know, with this individualized, um, approach. So, um, yeah, I, I think that that's the best way to put it. Yeah. So then. It's like speaking of an individualized approach, let's say somebody is listening now and they're like, well, I feel I'm overweight and, mm -hmm. you know, I want to lose body fat. Um, mm -hmm. You know, from what I'm learning, it's like, you know, focusing on losing body fat, you know, that's great, but it's actually mm -hmm. really, really hard to do. Mm -hmm. Not saying that we shouldn't try to do it, but mm -hmm. what are some other nutritional focuses someone could look at instead mm -hmm. of going into a calorie deficit to, to be healthier? Mm -hmm. Um, so first of all, if somebody came into my office and said, I want to lose weight, I would say, okay, why do you think you need to lose weight? What are your reasons for wanting to lose weight? Um, to make sure that it's coming from a good place, um, and not just this diet culture place or not just because their friend told them, you know, or made fun of them. They have low confidence now, you know? So I think that that's really important to address. Where is that coming from? Um, and then, you know, depending on if they are overweight, how overweight they are, what risk factors they have for chronic disease, then we can assess, you know, is, is, is weight loss a good option, you know, fat loss, you know, and how do we, how do we get you to do fat loss, you know, build muscle and, and things like that. But I think kind of what your question is going towards is what are some other measures of success? Um, and so what I call them is non-scale victories. And so, so many people, when they come into my practice, they're like, okay, so where's the scale? Um, so you're going to measure, take my measurements. Okay, great. So how often do I come in for them? And I'm like, actually don't even have a scale in my office. Um, measurements you're talking about, I actually don't do those. Um, and I'm like, if you want to weigh yourself, uh, you can weigh yourself once a week and, you know, keep that and, and just be mindful that the scale is one tool one tool. It does not tell the whole picture. Um, doesn't tell me your, your body composition, which is more 
important than the weight on the scale. Um, for instance, I've actually gained 10 pounds in the last year. Um, but I guarantee my body composition has shifted and I actually am healthier now than what I was before, you know? So again, the scale does not tell us the whole story. Again, muscle weighs more than fat, things like that. Um, so the other non-scale victories I talk about is, you know, how is your sleep? How is your energy? How is your mood? How are your bowel movements? Um, you know, um, do you have gas? Do you have bloating? Um, you know, if we're monitoring lipid because they're concerned about, you know, cholesterol levels or chronic disease, you know, how are, how is that? How's your blood sugar? How's your blood pressure? You know, so there's really a lot of other ways to measure success and to measure health than just the weight. Um, and so that's what I talk a lot about, um, in my practice, again, recognizing the big picture and that how you feel is so important. Uh, and in fact, more important than what the scale is telling you. Um, so, so yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause there's actually from media and magazines and stuff like that, we're told, uh, there's only a few ways to improve your health, but you're after given like, you know, so many kind of, uh, other, other tools out there. Um, mm -hmm. so what are some of the kind of changes someone could expect to see by focusing on all these other tools or like some sort of kind of progress? Like what are some kind of maybe kind of case studies you have where a client didn't focus on, or maybe they initially wanted to focus on fat loss, but then you were mm -hmm. like, okay, here's an approach I want you to try. Mm -hmm. um, what have they noticed, I guess, in, in mm -hmm. their health? Yeah, so they can still monitor their weight, but I don't like that to become an obsession because again, it's not the whole story. Um, but many times I always ask them, did you notice anything else? Because I don't want to prompt them. Um, I just want to see like what they recognize first. And it's, it's so cool. They're like, you know, I've noticed I have regular bowel movements and I have less constipation. And, you know, I've noticed I've been sleeping a lot better and I just have more energy throughout the day. You know, one of my biggest things is I don't have to drink as much coffee. Yeah. I hear that all the time. Um, or, you know, I have more energy to play with my kids now. Um, I, I feel more confident, you know, I, I don't know why I have this confidence and I just, I, I feel more alive, my moods, my mental health. Um, so I get a lot of that, um, you know, and then sometimes people will say, you know, maybe I lost one pound, you know, but I can really tell my clothes are fitting much bigger. Actually, I, I can tell the way my clothes are fitting. Um, you know, so those are probably some of the most common things that I hear. And it's so great for the light bulb to then go off for them to say, wow, I'm actually in getting all these other benefits that I never anticipated um, that I thought were fine, that I didn't think I needed to work on, that I'm actually now recognizing how much better I feel when I just started eating better, um, when I thought I just needed to lose weight, but actually there's all these other benefits I'm getting. Um, so that's really, really cool to hear that from them. Yeah, great. So there's a lot more options to improve our health through nutrition than just the scale. Um, yeah. So the relationship with food that we have, will you talk a little bit about why that's important? Um, and then I guess like some kind of good practices to improve your relationship with food and then mm -hmm. other kind of things that, you know, people typically do that just they mm -hmm. don't really lead to a, a healthy relationship with food. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So a healthy relationship with food is so important because if you don't have this healthy and positive relationship with food, um, you're going to be very stressed and you're going to have anxiety around food. Um, and it's going to impact your mood. Um, and, and it can be very anxiety provoking. Um, you know, if you, if you look at food as having moral value and you label food as good food and as bad food, you know, um, 
you're going to really struggle to go out to eat with your friends. You know, you're going to really struggle to go to a birthday party or to celebrate your own birthday party, you know, um, or if you're able to do that, then you're going to think you need to go run on the treadmill for two hours to burn it off because you ate the food you ate or that's what you're going to do before going out to dinner. You know, so there's just all this stress and this excess um, negativity going on um, if we don't have this positive and healthy relationship with food. Um, the other thing that can happen is if we're labeling food as good and bad, and it's actually not scientifically proven, you know, for example, people are cutting out carbs or they're cutting out fat or things like that. Your body is not going to be nourished like it should be. So your body can't function like it should. So you could have nutritional deficiencies, you know, headaches, low energy, inappropriate bowel movements, you know, lack of bowel movements, you know, all these other things. Um, and so I would say that those are the two things that really stand out to me. Um, you know, the, the excessive stress you're causing, and then also, you know, the physical issues that you could then be having as well. Um, and then, you know, I always talk to parents about this, you know, you're then projecting this onto your children, you know, and we're just continuing this cycle of unhealthy relationship with food. Um, so I, I think that it's really important to acknowledge that and be more mindful of that. Like, where am I at with this food? Um, so there's a lot of mindful um, eating activities, if you will, that you can do. So, you know, um, you know, shut off the TV, be very mindful when you're eating this meal think about where did this food come from? What does this food mean to me? You know, explore those thoughts of why do I call this bad? Where did that come from? Is it actually bad? Should I talk to a registered dietitian about this? You know, should I talk to a medical professional about this? Um, and, and try to understand that so we can then work to correct that. You know, um, it's, it's really a journey. It's really a journey because you can't just say, okay, I understand that carbs are no longer bad, but it's been ingrained in you for like 20 years. You know, you're not just going to say, okay, fine. I acknowledge it. You know, it's going to be these baby steps. Um, and again, I, I just go back to, it's this journey and small sustainable changes is everything. Um, and then also, you know, what are, what's on your Instagram feed? So if you recognize and you're more mindful, where am I getting these thoughts from? Okay. Who are you following on Instagram? What's on your feed? What's on your Facebook? Who are the people you're hanging out with? <laughs> what are they saying about it? Um, you know, all of, all of those kind of things. So just being able to recognize where that's coming from and then look to the appropriate support that you need, you know, professionals, family members, things like that, mm -hmm. that you're surrounded by. So you can help to change um, those thoughts. Um, again, there's, there's a lot of mindful activity, uh, mindful eating activities that you can engage in. There's also books you can read and obviously professionals that you can see. Yeah, there's a lot of options out there. Something I notice in myself is when I mm -hmm. eat with others, I'm much more mindful. I like, mm -hmm. I eat really slowly for some reason. Um, yeah. And I find myself, I guess, because I, I really am aware that I'm with someone. So I'm trying to talk to them and then I forget yeah. to eat. And then I'm like, you know, trying to shuffle all the food in after. Whereas when I'm on my own, I'm just kind of like, I kind of zone out, watch TV or something like that. And um, yeah, that's, that's very interesting. Um, mm -hmm. So then I feel as though we're talking or we know the kind of fundamentals of like what you know a healthy diet for us what are some mm -hmm. of like the fundamentals that people should like work towards to have uh, a healthier kind of eating pattern um mm -hmm. and avoid all the misconceptions we talked about mm -hmm. um so are we talking i'm assuming we're talking for like the general population right yeah. so if i was to make general recommendations yeah or maybe um, maybe even like your typical client you know someone that you typically see yeah yeah so i would say 
I would say, yeah, I would go with like, um, what is a, a generally healthy diet for people? Because many of the people I work with are, you know, chronic disease, trying to manage their weight, um, things like that. So I would go with that approach. So, um, you know, first of all, we, I'm going to, I'm going to go through just like what we should think about when we're making choices and then what should be on our plate. Um, and then also the timing of our food. So that's kind of how I'm going to arrange this. Um, so first of all, we want to make sure that we have a very plant-based diet. And when I say that, I don't mean vegetarian. I don't mean vegan. I just mean that most of the food on our plate should come from plants. So fruits, vegetables, your grains, your oils coming from plant-based sources, um, as much as you can. And that's because you're getting a lot of antioxidants, vitamins, minerals to support your body, your immune system, um, uh, metabolism, you know, all of those things. Um, and then also for your gut health, um, you know, so plants provide the fiber, which is really the food for gut health. And many people don't recognize that they're so focused on gut health, but then they're also the ones that are going carb free. <laughs> And I'm like, but you need the fiber to, to support your gut health. Um, so that's huge. That's something we really need to focus on. Um, the other thing is, you know, um, looking to our meat to be more of a garnish rather than half the plate. So thinking about proper portions about that, I think is huge and choosing the leaner sources of meat um, because meat can have saturated fat, which is the fat that increases our cholesterol levels. Um, so not that you can't have red meat, but just managing the portions and then the cuts that you're having, um, including more fish, especially fatty fish because of those omega-3 fats. Um, so that's really important. And then fish is going to be low in saturated fat anyways. Um, choosing whole grains, um, or your complex carbs. So your brown rice, you know, your brown flours, your brown breads, um, you know, quinoa, bulgur, um, things like that um, would be important. And then um, um, and we talked about protein. So lean protein, you can do plant protein if that feels right to you. If you want to do that, if you enjoy that, um, again, more plant-based foods um, is showing to be more nutritious. Um, and then also dairy, um, so having low fat dairy, because again, dairy is going to have that saturated fat in it. So we want to, to manage that. I know many people are like, oh, I like full fat Greek yogurt, including myself. Um, so I do have that, but then I manage the rest of my saturated fat from other sources throughout the day. Um, so dairy is important for that calcium and vitamin D. Um, but it's important to acknowledge that, um, you know, not all dairy is fortified with vitamin D. Um, so dairy doesn't naturally have vitamin D. So like in Kenya, we don't have our milk uh, fortified with vitamin D. So if you're in the US, I know that it is. I know if you're in UK and other parts of Europe, you don't have it fortified. So again, pay attention to that. Um, but you still are going to get the calcium. Um, and then the other thing with, um, the yogurt is that it also has probiotics. So that healthy gut bacteria. So again, we're very interested in, in gut health and so much research is coming out, how that impacts our immune system, our overall health, chronic disease, exercise performance. I mean, you name it, there's research being done on it around gut health. Um, so that would be kind of some of the snippets of information, um, and making sure that you're getting at least eight glasses of water a day to stay hydrated as well to keep your bowel movements regular. Um, and then of course, eating foods in their most whole form, um, as we talked about, so limiting process, not that process, we can never have it. Um, but really having as many whole foods as we can, cause it's going to be lower in added sugar, you know, lower in sodium, which are two other things we really want to be mindful of as well. Um, and then, um, 
So I would say that, and then moving on what your plate should look like. So the my plate, so going to myplate.gov and just having your plate look like that at every meal. So breakfast, lunch, and supper, half your plate, fruits and vegetables, your source of grain, your source of protein, and then your dairy, if you choose to, um, is really important. So that's kind of a nice, easy way to visualize it. So you don't have to remember all these things and just like, okay, yep, I have a plate at every meal. Here's how it should be portioned out. Um, And then in terms of, you know, what should our day look like in terms of a schedule of eating? I always get that question. And I feel like, again, there's so much misinformation with intermittent fasting and certain diets and things like that. So what I'd recommend to the general population is, you know, having breakfast and then two to three hours, a snack, um, which has two food groups. So that would be like a carbon and protein. So, you know, like an apple and peanut butter or an apple and a cheese stick for just for an example, or an apple and nuts. Um, and then you would have lunch two to three hours later, and then you'd have another snack two to three hours later, and then you would have dinner. And if you can, if you want to have a bedtime snack, that's fine as well. Um, that's going to keep your metabolism going. Um, it's also going to, um, you know, because you're eating regularly throughout the day, you're going to be able to eat smaller portions, um, and be more mindful of that. And you're not going to get to lunch and be like, Oh my God, I'm starving. I haven't eaten since 6am. Just give me everything. I don't even care. And then you shove it down in seven minutes and you're like, you know, 10 minutes later, you're like, oh my God, I overate. Um, so that also just allows you to be more mindful. Um, and then the different eating occasions. So like the snacks in there allow you to get more produce in some more of those plants in your diet, um, which allow for, you know, more nutrients as well. Um, so it's kind of how I would break it up. Um, if you were to ask me kind of in a nutshell, what is my advice around that? Yeah, there's so much to work with there. And I think mm-hmm. the biggest thing is uh, to be plant-based, but not, you don't have to go vegetarian or vegan. Um, mm-hmm. I find my, my digestion feels so much better when I eat more plants. It's just mm-hmm. the hard part is getting them in and, and making them, cooking them in a way that is tasty because, you know, the ultra processed food out there that's low in nutrition, low in protein, low in fiber is so much tastier and so much easier. So it's like a little constant battle between getting the vegetables in and avoiding, uh, you know, over consuming the ultra processed food. Yes. And, um, it's so true. You know, um, people just think of like, especially in the U S I find they're like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, steam these vegetables and just, they're fine. Or I'm just going to boil this. I'm just going to open the can of this. And it's like, no, be creative, you know, put them in things, put them in a soup, you know, flavor them, spice them up, saute them, you know, bake, you know, bake them. There's so many different ways. And that's a whole nother topic we could talk about how to make fruits and vegetables exciting because they are so tasty if you know how to cook them and how to prepare them and how to flavor them. Um, but I, I know that that definitely is um, sometimes a barrier to a lot of people getting enough of them in. Yeah, I feel as though just thinking about it now, we're almost like victims of like the modern lifestyle where uh, we're very busy. There's so much mm-hmm. abundance of food, but then cooking is like a real uh essential life skill to have and to be able to cook yes. for yourself foods to, you know, you enjoy eating. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's like the best investment you can make, you can make in yourself because, you know, you'll, you'll you know, monetarily you'll keep your medical bills lower because it'll be looking after yes. your health. Yeah. So, Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yes. Um, that's like a big issue. I think right now is like figuring out how to navigate the, the food environment um, that we're in. Cause it's very new to everyone, you know, especially like, you don't have to leave the house. You can literally get like, you know, your phone out. You can order food straight to your front door. So you don't actually have to do any activity, cooking, anything. And it's like, no. it's very, you know, fair enough. There's, there's a time and place for that, but it's very limited. You know, it, it's too yeah, yeah. easy to do that. 
It's very, very true. Yes. So again, I just go back to, you know, it sounds very cliche, but it is, what are your priorities? It's all about that priority. Um, You know, and you don't, you know, many times people think if they eat healthy, they have to do some extravagant recipe off Pinterest. They have to do meal prep Sunday, you know, and things like that. And if that works for you, that's fabulous, but you don't have to do that to eat healthy. You know, um, you can cook meals like in 10 minutes or less and they can still be healthy and nourishing, you know, and we did a lot of that stuff in my previous position as a supermarket dietitian, showing people how they can eat healthy um, and very quickly because we get it. The American lifestyle is is very fast paced and and around the developing world, you know? I mean, even here in Kenya, that's a struggle for people. Um, And so there's definitely ways to navigate that. But again, at the end of the day, you still have to make it a priority. And as you mentioned, an investment in what you eat is an investment in your health and wellness. Um, And many people don't see that until it's too late or it's hard to equate, you know, disease prevention and to compare that to what this disease actually costs, you know? Um, so again, I go back to make it a priority. Yeah. And then the tips you already talked about of, you know, frozen vegetables, uh, tinned foods, they, yep. I think people need to almost like just get rid of this notion that like fresh or organic is better. Just, just put it to the side for a minute and like try tinned yep. and, uh, and frozen. And, you know, the benefits are like amazing. It saves so much time. Um, but yeah, just something I wanted to, to touch on is uh, I feel as though like, you know, climate change is a big issue right now. And then uh, a lot of people are becoming more aware of uh, like factory farming and stuff like that and how animals are treated so poorly. Um, mm-hmm. And like I myself hope to be vegetarian by the age of 40, but uh, that's wow. a while off and, and talk is cheap. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I like it. Yeah. What are your thoughts on going uh, vegetarian? Uh, like what are some of the health implications that people should be aware of? Cause I feel as though there's like a big push to do that. Um, mm-hmm. and it, you know, for example, in Trader Joe's here where I like to go, there's a lot more, uh, meat free options. Like it's really, it actually is really easy, which is great. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, what should people be aware of? Like, why shouldn't someone go vegetarian? Um, mm-hmm. if they're trying to be mm-hmm. healthy, you know, if that's the overall aim. Yeah. So I like the question. So there's a lot of ways to be healthy. There's a lot of diets to be healthy. Um, and I always say it's your personal choice, what works for you, what's sustainable to you, what's enjoyable to you. Um, so if vegan and vegetarianism is for you, that's fabulous. I completely support you in that. I'm all for plants. Um, as, as I mentioned, um, you know, the concern that I would have is if somebody is anemic, Um, so they have low hemoglobin iron is a concern. Um, if they're deficient in B12, um, vitamin D deficient, um, you know, and some other, um, maybe some specific diseases, um, you know, then maybe that would be, um, a reason not to, um, but other than that, it's, it's usually typically very healthy to go that way because again, you're getting so many plants and so much other nourishment. Um, but you have to really know what you're doing. Um, because it is harder to get some of the, the, the nutrients. So for example, iron can be a challenge. Zinc can be a challenge. Omega-3s can be a challenge. B12 can be a challenge. Vitamin D can be a challenge, you know, so just being aware of those foods or sorry, of those nutrients that can be more challenging and working with a dietitian to tell you, okay, here's how you pair your foods, um, in order to absorb more iron, for example, um, you know, here and here's also the plant-based foods that are rich in iron. So beans, for example, have a lot of iron. Now let's pair a food that's high in vitamin C so you can um, 
allow, uh, you know, help your body absorb more iron, um, by doing so, um, you know, being aware of what foods have zinc, what foods have omega threes that are plant-based, um, you know, things like that. And you can absolutely do that. Um, but again, just be more mindful, um, of, of how you're, how you're pairing them. And then also, you know, if you feel lack of energy and, and things like that, just being able to assess because, um, you know, it is easier to, to get some of those deficiencies, but again, you can be so healthy and do it in, in such a great way. And there's many very, very successful people that do it. You know, one of my um, really good friends here, actually, she is a, I wouldn't call her a bodybuilder, um, but she's very into strength training and she's a personal trainer and she's absolutely vegetarian. So um, she's very successful with it, you know, so you, you definitely can do that. Um, you just have to be a bit more educated on some of those nutrients. Yeah. For me, it's like, a nice idea, but I know if I was to try for one day, like it would be a nightmare because there's so many changes I have to make. The food environment mm -hmm. isn't set up for vegetarians. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, it's like, I really need to be clear about why I'm doing it. Like I might do it out of uh, like kind of moral reasons, feeling like, oh, I'm a good person for doing this. Yeah. And that's yeah. like, you know, that's nice, but it's like, it's not really sustainable. Like you can't just be like, yeah. you know, uh, having your salad being like, you know, I'd love to have some meat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ex exactly. Um, and I think that's a really good point. So knowing your why for doing it. Um, and then also realizing again, that this is a journey. And so it's not like you wake up one day, January 1st of 2022, and you're saying, I'm going to be vegetarian today. If you've been a big meat eater for like the last 25 years of your life, you know what I mean? So, um, being mindful that it is a journey and that's the way that you can be most successful. So slowly in slowly adding in more plant-based foods and, you know, maybe some more plant-based proteins. So maybe, you know, two or three times out of the week, you're going fully plant-based, see how you like it, see how you do, um, see how you feel, you know? So I would encourage people to think about it like that. Um, but also there's this new term out there called a flexitarian. Um, and this is how I would identify myself. Um, so I eat very plant-based, um, but I do have meat occasionally. Um, you know, so I'm not like saying I can never have it. Um, but it is there as an option. Um, and so that's also another thing that you can do to kind of talking about how you look at the meat more as a garnish, you know, if, if that seems reasonable to you. Um, so again, there's, there's so many ways that you can approach this and you get to define what sort of vegetarian you want to be, to be honest, if you actually look it up, I think there's eight or nine different plant-based eaters out there or vegetarians out there. Um, so I actually did a TV segment here in Kenya on that, that I can actually send you. Um, cause it's quite intriguing. So again, we, a lot of times we just like think because this is the definition, I have to stick to this and it's, you get to make your own choice. This is about you. This is a personal decision. So you get to define that. Yeah. And if it goes wrong, as in the only person who's going to pay for it is you, you're not going to get like you know, yeah. a check in the mail from, you know, the good people at the <laughs> vegetarian society. You're yeah. not going to get a gold star. Like, no. Yeah. But if you want to, that's awesome. And, you know, there's many people that do that um, and it works well for them. Yeah. Um, but like you said, it shouldn't just be that you feel superior to others, you know, because you are choosing to eat this way, you know, um, do it because you love it, because you enjoy it, because you're trying to impact the environment or, you know, whatever the case is. Yeah. And don't even feel guilty that you're not doing it. It's like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just kind of, I guess, as you said, look at your why. Um, mm -hmm. So I've, I've taken enough of your time, but just something I want to touch on is the fact that you're in yeah. Kenya and how yeah. the food environment is different there. Um, or if it is, or what are the difference actually between the yeah. food environment there versus like the U S or Ireland where I'm originally from? Yeah. 
Love the question. Um, so Kenya is very dynamic. Um, that is like probably the, if I had to define it in one term, that's what I would say. So the traditional way um, for Kenyans to eat is very fresh, very whole food, you know, very minimally processed. Um, their meals are going to be a lot of vegetable and then like a starch. So whether it's rice, potato or um, this maize flour um, food that's called ugali um, and then um, a protein, which usually is meat. Um, they love meat here. Um, and so that would typically be, but, um, some communities, and then if, if, you know, people, um, have less income, it's going to be a lot of plant-based proteins. Um, so a lot of beans and lentils, um, are very common here. In fact, I love all the varieties of beans and lentils, and I never knew that so many existed. Um, so I would say that, you know, the way that it's different is, is because of the weather, everything's fresh um, and a lot of whole foods um, and you can get it all year round. And in fact, fresh and healthy foods unprocessed are cheaper than processed foods. Like it's the polar opposite. So honestly, if you're going to buy, so like if I, if I buy like sugar cereal, for example, so in the US, what is it like $4 a box or something like that? Yeah, I can't oh remember the last time I bought some. It was, oh, yeah, uh, it's about four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It ranges okay. four to five or six. If I buy it here, it's 10 to $15. Seriously. You know, and then maybe I can find some local brand for maybe so, like So they're $6. ahead of the, you know, people would say Africa's third world continent, but it's like they're actually on the sugar tax ahead of everybody. Are they? Right. Yeah. They don't actually have the sugar tax. But yeah. Like we really, if you want to be on a food budget, like you better be eating unprocessed, healthy food um, to go. Well, out I mean, to that's eat the is way great. it was all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. So if we would order Domino's pizza here, Domino's like the same brand in the U S um, if we were to order, you know, two large pizzas, maybe a side of like six chicken wings, you know, and a small thing of garlic toast, that's going to be $50 here. When in the U S you can get like a Friday deal for like 20 bucks. Right. Yeah, they, they can't um, give you a good enough deal here. And I even see that there's some robots delivering it somewhere or they're trying to do robot delivery of some pizza company. So, yeah, it's crazy. It's like they're like trying to engineer the activity out of the food. And it's like we used to be hunter gatherers. Crazy. Yes, it is. So I would say that it's much easier to eat healthier here and more whole food and it's much cheaper. So if you're on a food budget, you're like, well, got to eat healthy. So I love that. I love, love, love that. Um, but I will say it's also becoming quite Western. Like it's way more Western than you would ever expect um, because fast foods are becoming more of a thing and they're becoming more popular and their price is going down. It still is expensive, but it used to be way more expensive and less available. Um, and so that's also, um, it is coming down. It's becoming, again, like fries are everywhere. I mean, you can find them everywhere and you can get them very cheap. Um, whereas before that wasn't a thing. Um, so I've been coming here since 2009. And so just to see, you know, over that, you know, like 10 year period, you know, 11 year period, how drastic it has changed where more fast food has become more available. The price has come down, believe it or not. Um, so that's, that's very interesting. And I do want to note that this is something that's very intriguing about Kenya is that your ability to eat um, processed and fast food is a status. If you're overweight, it's a, it's equated with your status because um, remember, you know, many Kenyans don't have money 
for food. It's a higher level of poverty here than, for example, in the U.S. Um, and so if you can afford the processed foods and you're overweight, it means you're rich and have money. And therefore you have a status that's associated with that. Um, so it's very intriguing. So, you know, if you go um, to like the village, so like the rural areas, think of like small town USA, um, the, the grandmas and the grandpas are going to be like, wow, you look so good. You must be having a really good job. Your marriage must be going well because you're overweight. You know, that's, that looks really good to them. Um, but like for me, <laughs> I work out, I eat healthy. They think I'm, I'm, my life is stressful and not going well. Um, you know, so, so it's very interesting, um, how it's, how it's very different, you know, it's almost polar opposite the way that it's looked at. Um, but again, then if you're in Nairobi, which is, you know, a cosmopolitan city, you have very exposed, very educated people from all over the world here. You know, there's, there's those that, you know, you want to look healthy, you want to be fit, you know, you want to buy the organic, you want to shop in the health food section, you know, things like that. But you have this middle class of Kenyans who are, who are very proud that they can afford the Domino's pizza for $50 and, you know, very proud that their child is, is a bit overweight. Um, so it's, it's a very interesting dynamic that's happening here. So you have your, your work cut out for you with that kind of dynamic, but, uh, I do. <laughs> yeah. But anyone from, uh, the West who wants to go and uh, go on a nice holiday, because I know holidays can be tricky because you're like, Oh, the holiday waking, you can have a healthy yeah. holiday in Kenya and you know, yes. yeah, have all the benefits. <laughs> You'll love it. You'll love it. And we have like, seriously, some of the most beautiful beaches here in the world. Um, and you'll have all the fresh tropical fruits um, that you could ever imagine just right on the beach. <laughs> yeah. And you seem to be flourishing there as well. So, you know, that's a testament Thank to what you. you just said. Um, yeah. Is there anything we didn't go over or anything you want to mention that you have coming up that you're doing that um, people might mm. want to hear about? Not at the moment, um, but I think we covered a lot of stuff, um, you know, in the world of nutrition, there's always so many things that we could, you know, dig deeper into, um, you know, take a bigger dive into. Um, but I think we, we covered a lot of good things and, you know, if people have any questions, you know, they can feel free to reach out, um, you know, on Instagram or email, things like that. I'm sure you'll, you'll take that in this podcast somewhere. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think I have anything else to add, but thank you so much. I think these were great topics and a very intriguing conversation yeah brilliant actually and especially the topics around uh supermarket shopping i feel so uh people can learn so much from from your work so um i'll include your, your info in the uh the notes um so yeah that, that is it thank you very much wonderful thank you so much